0: Let me go ahead and dismiss Earl with Finding the Rock right back there. And we've already got one meeting back here right now. So let's stand up, all of you going through Jude with me. And it's so refreshing for me to see this many people on a Wednesday night to go through the Word of God. Because, and and I'll tell you why. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing God's Word. And if ever there was a day the church needed to be getting stronger faith, And understanding the Scriptures, it's now. We're going to get so full that it's got to spill out somewhere out there. So we're looking at Jude. We're calling this series a postcard from the past. And remember, uh, he wrote this because of false teaching. I'm amazed at how many of the epistles were written to counteract, to answer false teaching. Colossians, Ephesians, Peter, Peter. First uh, John, you can just start naming them Who, that were written to counter false teaching because that's one of the enemy's most successful ways to destroy what God's doing in your life. Listen carefully. Satan goes for the mind. God goes for the heart. And so he's always going, that is the enemy, always going for our mind to confuse us, bind us, hinder us, chain us perplex us, confuse us, and get us out of the race. The only solution is truth. Truth. You'll know the truth. It'll make you free. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you tonight for the Word of God. Thank you that Jude is so strong, so able, so capable of setting our minds free. We pray that you will renew our minds, change us, rearrange us. Can we just give him permission tonight, church, to do whatever he wants with our life, to to remove what needs to go, to place in our life what needs to come in. Can you just say with me, Lord, you are Lord. Change me tonight. I need your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, hey, Jude. All right. (laughs) Now, Tonight, we're going to look at Jude's Three Stooges. Jude's Three Stooges. Let's, uh, let's look real quickly. going to recap a little bit. In Jude, it only has one chapter, so I never have to put a chapter number up there. Jude 5 through 7. We continue in our look at three illustrations Jude draws from the Bible. He uses a lot of illustrations from the Bible. Of course, his Bible was the Old Testament. One from the Pilgrim Age. The second from the primeval age. Pilgrim age was the children of Israel in the wilderness. Primeval age was the antediluvians, those that lived in Noah's time. And the third from the patriarchal age, which was the day of Abraham. And that's we discussed Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah and that very, very sobering story. Now Jude now turns from his three illustrations of apostasy. What is apostasy? It's, it's somebody who knew the truth, knew what was right, knew about God, and walked away rejecting everything they knew. Just rejected it. Walk away from it. We're going to see a couple of those tonight. And he's going to show us that apostasy uh, applies. What he's going to share applies in all ages. Apostasy in all ages. It's going to answer it no matter what age you read this in. But also he's going to show how apostasy undermines the standards and the morals of society. We're going to see that you're not an island and I'm not an island. The way we live is not going to just affect us. It's impossible. It's going to affect other people. And if you get enough people that walk away from the truth. It undermines an entire culture, which I believe with all of my being is what's happened to America as we sit here tonight. He's going to show how it undermines the standards and morals of society if it spreads far enough. Apostasy is like a leaven that leavens the whole lump. Now the apostate, having trampled underfoot the great biblical truths and doctrines of Scripture, has no problem with scorning the laws and morals of human society. See, how you treat God, you will treat others. That's why it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because first you've got to get the vertical right. And you get the vertical right, then you can do the horizontal right. So the way that you view God is the way you're going to deal with people. It's very, very important. And, and if you have no problem thumbing your nose at God, you have no problem thumbing your nose at earthly authority. Okay? Now, here's the life principle. Nobody's an island. The way we live affects not only ourselves for bad or good, but also the, the society in which we live. And it's very, very important. That's why, how do you change the world? One life at a time. How do we affect this culture? We've got to walk right first. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That means we preserve the culture from evil, and we are the light of Jesus to this culture. If we don't have it, it's like I like to say, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. we got to get it right. Now, first, Jude exposes, and they talk about the apostates, their sordid vices. He's going to look at what's really in their lives personally. How they live. He says, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority and they speak evil of dignitaries. This is the apostates. Notice, they defile, they reject authority, and they have a problem with their tongue. They speak evil of God's authority. They speak evil of it. So these people right here are not people you want to be running with right there. Look at that. You don't want to be running around with people that defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Don't want to do it. They are dreamers, says Jude. They say and they do monstrous things in their pornographic fantasies. They literally become dead to all sense of decency. Paul said they sear their conscience like with a hot iron. You know, you can sin against God enough that you no longer believe that it's sin. You can't tell right from wrong. Reprobate literally means having the inability to distinguish any longer between what is right and wrong. Now I ask you, is our society there? More and more. Yes, it is. It is. Even worse than that, we're being told that what's bad is good. And what's good is actually bad. It's upside down, topsy-turvy. It's crazy. Now, but he's he's showing us now these people that are dreamers he's talking about people whose fantasies and whose inner lives are so corrupted they're dead to decency they don't just defile their flesh that's not what the verse said they defile the flesh all flesh no form of immorality is exempted once you walk away from god let me tell you something if you walk away from god you're capable of anything You walk away long enough, you might find yourself doing things, going places that you would never have believed in a million years if someone had told you you would do it. See, our restraint, that's why we need the Bible, because the Bible's always pulling us up, pulling us up, pulling us up, pulling us up. And you get out of the Word of God, your, your nature, your flesh will naturally pull you away. So here he's talking about these dreamers. Jude next looks at their seditious views. He says, these dreamers defile the flesh and they reject authority. They are seditious. The word reject is taken from a Greek word meaning to displace or to set aside or to disregard. And Jesus used the same word when he said this, quote, He that rejects me has one that judges him. Did you catch that? If you reject Jesus Christ, God's going to judge you very sobering stuff. Now, the same word reject Somebody that pushes Jesus away Say, I don't want Jesus. That's the same word reject for those that are rejecting authority. They push it away. They don't want authority. They don't want God. They resent authority. These are people that don't like any authority in their life. The word authority refers to lordship, power, dominion, whether angelic or human, it can be rendered government because God has established governments. The brand of apostasy mentioned here in Jude disregards and seeks the overthrow of governments. It fo- its followers disrespect government, and they promote sedition against lawful authority. Now, there's some government that that it, that's no doubt uh, it's not lawful. That is, there's governments all over the world. You can go to communist governments and they'll tell you not to minister in the name of Jesus, not to embrace Christianity. Uh, Muslim, Islamic governments will tell you this, and there you've got that huge decision. Am I going to choose for Christ and maybe die for it? And when they tell you don't accept Christ, reject Christ, don't walk in the Christian faith, then that's not lawful. That's where you've got to say with the disciples, we must obey God rather than men. But when it's lawful authority like authority that says you shall not murder you shall not steal authority governmental authority that is based and grounded in the commandments of god then you are to honor that but but these these apostates want to overthrow legitimate authority they resent authority the soviet union would be a good example of this kind of thing In its communistic drive for world conquest, it sponsored terrorism, we know that, insurrection, riot, civil disobedience, arson, armed rebellion, and war. Why? They wanted to overthrow the governments of the world and bring the entire world under the rule of communism. That was apostate. That was what Jude is talking about here. No country was safe. Communism was born in the brain of Karl Marx, a Jew, an apostate from both Judaism and Christianity. Karl Marx was an apostate. And he's the one that hatched this nightmare called communism. Having described their sordid vices and their seditious views, Jude mentions next their scornful voices. Whatever is in your heart, it's going to come out. And we saw what was in their heart, gross immorality, Rebellion against authority. Now here it comes out of their mouth. Likewise, so these dreamers speak evil of dignitaries. Now the expression speak evil comes from the word blasphemia, blasphemy. And it means to rail at or to revile. It refers to insolent, abusive, and humiliating language. It's used, for instance, of those who railed at Christ. And of those who speak contemptuously of God or of holy things. You know, I've noticed about our culture more and more. People have forgotten what is sacred. We don't recognize sacred anymore. We, we, We treat church like it's just another building, like it's a movie theater or something. Some people do. Come in and walk around and disrupt. And they don't, you can tell there's no sense of what is sacred. There used to be. There used to be. Churches are robbed all the time now. That didn't used to happen. We're, we're losing, as, as the culture is sort of dumbed down, we're losing uh, the ability to say, you know what, there are some things higher than others, and that is sacred. But these apostates speak contemptuously of things that are sacred. Jude speaks of coming judgment for this very thing. And I want to read this. I, I, listen, I wanted to preach this verse because I'm amazed at the garbage, the sheer, unadulterated trash that is being called art in our day. And, and, and they, never, they never create art that is insulting of Islam because they don't want to get beheaded. But they insult Jesus Christ all the time. And look what Jude promised. Later on in Jude, I believe it's verse 15, We're going to to get to it later, but here it is early on. He says, The Lord is coming with countless thousands of His holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. What for? He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. That is, Jesus. Every word that comes out of your mouth that is insulting to Jesus, He's going to come and He's going to judge it. Got to be very, very careful what you say about some things. There are some things I just don't want to talk about them unless I can say something good. Because they are directly connected to God. And when I see people insulting Jesus Christ, I mean it, it, it's it's been amazing. The word for dignitaries refers to those who should command our respect and recognition, who occupy high positions. This kind of verbal abuse of those in high places is utterly characteristic of our day. Here, you remember the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ. And many have come out since then that are worse, far worse, that openly reviled the Lord Jesus. This and other examples abound in our day. And those that reviled Jesus, I remind you, He's coming back. And He's going to convict every person of all the ungodly things they've done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against the Lord's Christ. jude by the spirit of god next reveals a battle that the rest of the bible doesn't talk about jude by the spirit of god got a revelation about this it occurred between satan and michael the archangel over the body of moses how strange remember when god told moses go off into the mountain and there you're going to die and he he went off into the mountain and now jude gets a revelation He, he didn't get to cross over the jordan he went up into the mountain to die because he had, he had uh, displeased the Lord. Seemed really harsh, but our God is good and he always does what is right. And Moses went up there to die and now Jude gets this revelation by the Spirit. He says that Michael the archangel contended with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses. So Moses died and something spiritual happened at the sight of his body. The devil showed up. And, there were, and and God sent Michael the archangel. And what was the dispute about? The devil was trying to get at the body of Moses. Now, you go, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, I believe he wanted to get the body of Moses discovered so that it would become a relic and a shrine and worship and an idol. And that's why God told him to go off and die where no one saw it. So Michael had to battle Satan over Moses' body. How strange. But it's, it's, it's an inside, it's a window, a shade that is opened up for us by the Spirit of God to let us know what happened there. And look what it says took place. When Michael, the great archangel, saw de- the devil, Lucifer, fallen angel, it says he did not dare to bring a reviling accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. He points out that even Michael, when confronting the fallen archangel Lucifer, dared not bring against him a judgment of slander, of railing. There are times, folks, you've got to get under the name of Jesus, under the blood, under the Word. And these people that run around binding Satan, this and that and the other, uh, all the time, loosely and glibly, I don't anymore. There are times I deal with things that I I get right under God and I say, the Lord rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And I get under God's authority. That's what Michael had the wisdom to do, even with a fallen angel. If Michael would not do thus against a totally fallen being, then mankind should be very careful what we say about divine and sacred things. Things and about God's earthly delegated authorities. Got to be very careful. Now Jude next exposes the foolish nonsense of the apostates. But these speak evil of whatever they don't know. They're talking about things they don't know. They flap their jaw about things they have no idea of. As a matter of fact, what characterizes the apostate is his colossal ignorance of spiritual things. They run off of the mouth about things they don't understand at all spiritual things. The apostate usually is either educated, smart, worldly-wise, but a godly trash collector knows more about the things of the Spirit of God than he does. If he saved the trash collector, that is. Remember, the apostate is often a person of great personal charisma and charm. Satan's not going to put somebody out there that's going to re, re, be revolting to you. He's going to put somebody out there attractive, appealing, magnetic, charismatic, persuasive, likable. Of course. So they can't be wrong. They're too likable. They can't be wrong. They got too much charisma. They can't be wrong. They're too persuasive verbally. Ah, that's the kind he chooses. They can be witty, knowledgeable, degreed, suave, debonair, But they're ministers of the deep things of Satan if they have walked away from the word of God. Wolves in sheep's clothing and false apostles masquerading as ministers of light. The few really false teachers and false prophets that I ever encountered in my Christian life were very charismatic. Pulled you into their personality. Pulled you into their personal likability. But they were wrong. And we got to know this, folks. Just because they're on TV doesn't mean they're right. Amen? Just because they say Jesus doesn't mean that they're walking in the Word of God. Just because they say Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey, the devils believe and tremble. You got to pick the fruit. Well, we're not supposed to judge, Pastor Jeff. If you don't judge, you're dead. You got to judge. Now, Jude not only exposes their foolish nonsense. But also their fallen nature. Look at the real truth about them. Whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, these apostates in these things they corrupt themselves. How do they corrupt themselves? This passage underlines the drift of the apostate towards open mockery of spiritual things. I know the last few weeks I've I've talked a lot about the latest the latest deal that's out there that everybody's going to heaven. There's no hell that anybody's going to stay in. When Jesus died on the cross, it redeemed everybody. doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you repent or not. But when Jesus died on the cross, he covered everybody. And our, our place is simply to realize what he has done. So whether you ever embrace Christ or you embrace some other religion, no matter what you do or how you live, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's out there. And it's gained a lot of steam in a book that came out just a while back, a few weeks ago. Selling like hotcakes to a, an uneducated, biblically illiterate world. And I haven't read the book, but I've read long excerpts from the book. And here's what i found. That this individual openly mocks spiritual things. Mocks the Word of God. Mocks The traditional church mocks what the church fathers, church leaders, church preachers, and the apostles, all through the centuries have preached, mock that. And there is a pride behind it. There's an arrogance behind it. And yet this person is magnetic, charismatic, appealing, persuasive, but dead wrong. They are utterly given to the lusts of the lower fallen nature, Jude says. And they are no different from animals in a forest, brute beasts in the wild. The distinguishing mark of the apostate is that God simply leaves him to himself. If you go off from God, when these people walk away and they begin to teach false things and they reject what they knew was true, uh, there comes a time when God will say, okay, go. I'm going to leave you to yourself. Three times in Romans 1, we're told that God gave them, that is the apostates, God gave them up, gave them up, gave them over to their lusts. Oh man, a person in this condition is in dire peril. When God lifts his hand to a person or a nation, he'll lift his hand and say, okay, you insist, you're going to deny all of my conviction you're going to walk away from all of my calls and all of my coaxing and all of my wooing very well then go for it and you're turned over now you say well when does that happen pastor jeff i don't know only god knows only god knows that line in the sand i can't see it i don't know it but i know that it's there because i see it in the word of god i see it with these people saw it with Sodom and Gomorrah, saw it with all the examples in the Word of God. It came a point where God just said, okay, go. He takes his hand off. And when he does, you're on your own, and it is your own lust that will destroy you. That's what he's saying. What a terrible way to go. It's like turning you over to a python snake. His own inborn natural corruption will prove to be his own eternal undoing. And be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And there isn't any, God doesn't look at skin color, pedigree, educational level, smarts. He doesn't look at any of that. He looks at how we are responding to him or not responding to him and to truth. Now Jude now goes back to the Bible. The incorrigible nature of Adam's fallen race is so complete that scores of illustrations of apostasy can be found in the Old Testament alone. And he's going to go back into the Old Testament again. He's already mentioned three parallels to apostasy. Israel, the fallen angels, and pagan society. But now he finds three biographies, and I call them Jude's Three Stooges. Here they are. Can we read them together? Cain, Balaam, Korah, Now, he's going to pull out little mini-biographies of these three men and give us an insight into how apostasy took place in their life. Now, the apostasy of Cain, so important in this politically correct age we live in that we understand the apostasy of Cain. The apostasy of Cain shows how apostasy attacks the salvation of God, the means by which we are saved. Apostasy always attacks the truth of the cross and of the blood and of Christ always in the apostasy of Balaam we see how apostasy attacks the sovereignty of God and in the apostasy of Korah we see how apostasy attacks the service of God now look at what he starts with whoa if God speaks a woe over you you need to hit the floor and pray Because when God says woe, it's it's not good news. Woe, Jude says, woe to them. This is the first of all the end time woes. The word woe sounds out again and again in the apocalypse, the book of Revelations. Look at what he says three times in Revelations 8, 13. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. All of these woes, believe it or not, stem from the apostasy of Christendom in the end times. As Jude so clearly foresaw, and that's why it matters that we go into this tonight, and I'm so glad it's going out on radio, the church has got to get back to the Word of God. I mean desperately got to get back to the Word of God. When you drift away from the Word of God, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when you fall. So, Jude is looking down the tunnel of time and seeing our day. And now, this apostasy is upon us in full tide. Let me tell you something. We're in apostasy. When whole denominations, one I read last week, this denomination came out and said, gayness is a gift from God. And now they're hemorrhaging people out of their denomination. Gayness is a gift from God. Oh, really? Okay. And we're seeing all kinds of things like this happen to denominations that used to be the bulwarks of truth. What's happening? It's apostasy. When you walk away from the truth. So one of the calls of our church is that we've got to get back. We've got to get back to this word, back to these scriptures. Instead of us judging it, let it judge us. Let's get back to it. Now, watch this. The first of the three portraits is of Cain, the first person ever born on this planet. He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. That is, the apostates have. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, Cain was essentially a religious man. He saw at least some need for God, but here was his problem. He was unteachable. Now, understand with me that the first family was clearly shown that forgiveness came by blood. You remember the fig leaves Adam and Eve resorted to, and how God came to them and covered them with animal skin. What had to happen for them to be covered with animal skin? An animal had to be slain. God taught the first family there is no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. Adam and Eve knew it. It was their job to teach Cain, the firstborn, and the rest of their children, the truth of the blood. God showed them immediately in the presence of the first sin. He showed them, it must, you must come for forgiveness by blood. Not your own ideas. Well, Cain obviously did not receive this message. In essence, he rejected the blood. In essence, he rejected God's method. We would say today he rejected Christ. He refused to approach God on God's terms, which was shedding the blood of a lamb. Instead, he invented a system of religion based on his own ideas and his own efforts. In doing so, Cain became the father of all false religion. Now, isn't it interesting that he he was too refined to slay a lamb, but he was very willing to slay his brother. I can't slay a lamb to cover my sin, but I can, I can kill bro. This is the core and the hallmark of all false apostate religion. Here it is. I'm not coming by way of the cross. And this is what political correctness in our time, this is why we need to understand Cain and what happened to him. He murdered because he didn't receive the blood. God said to him, if you do what Abel did, you will find good. You will be forgiven. But if you don't do what Abel did, which was offer a blood sacrifice, sin is crouched at your door. Like a lion. When you reject God's way, sin crouches at your door. No way around it. So he said, well, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to give God vegetables because I've got a vegetable garden, and this is my own good idea. This is my best The best that I can offer God? No, that wasn't the best. The best was to obey. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. He may have worked all day pulling those vegetables out of the garden and preparing this offering for God, but God didn't want uh, uh, that. He He wanted obedience, not sacrifice. It denies God's revealed word on the subject of salvation and expresses revulsion at the truth. That without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We hear people saying in our day, well, that Christianity, that's too bloody for me. That's the spirit of rebellion. That's the spirit of the apostate talking. Because if God says it's by way of blood, not just any blood, but the blood of the Lamb, then, buddy, that's the way you go. That's the way you go. Now, God rejected Cain's offering because it was in direct disobedience to the revealed will of God. Son, Adam and Eve said, you got to come to him by blood. Well, you know, I've got a better idea. What's Sinatra sing? I did it my way. I hate that song. I despise those lyrics because I believe it affected a whole generation of people. I really do. It's like, I'm going to do it my way. No, God says do it my way. We can either take God's way to salvation or we can go Cain's way which includes any and all false avenues to God. Look what Jesus said. I am a way. He said, I am the exclusive way. But Cain said, I'll do it my way. And every human being on earth has got this choice before them. Am I going to do it God's way or am I going to do it my way? If you go your way, that's the wide and the broad way that leads to destruction. It will not save you. Here's the principle: Any attack on God's revealed way of salvation, faith in the shed blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ, is apostasy. It's the way of Cain. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. The blood of Jesus. You may not like it. It may seem bloody to you, because it is. It may seem revolting to your flesh. It might. But I guarantee it will open the door to heaven for you, and it will bring heaven down to you. It is the way. Now Jude next includes another man in his pronouncement of woe. Woe to them, for they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now let's look at a couple of these phrases. Ran greedily means literally to be poured out or to rush tumultuously. It speaks of passion, of giving up oneself to something. They, they gave in. He's saying these apostates ran the way of Balaam, uh, uh, passionately well what was the way of Balaam the word for error is from a word meaning to make to wander or to lead astray from doctrine or from morals and every day your mind is under attack in those two areas right there doctrine your philosophy of life and morals how you live your life what Jude is pointing out to or pointing to is a lust for money money at any price even though it involves the destruction of the beliefs and the behavior of others. This is lust for money. This is greed on steroids. That's what this is. Balaam was, ju- was just such a man. Balaam was a soothsayer, what we could call today and would call today a psychic. His reputation has spread as a spiritist, one who had spiritual power, His story begins with the wilderness wandering Hebrews having reached the borders of Moab. When they reached the borders of Moab, Balak, the king of Moab, was deathly afraid of them. He opposed the Hebrew settlement of Canaan as passionately as the Arab states today oppose the reborn state of Israel. He did not want them in Canaan. Well, he decided to try to stop them not with war but with sorcery. He wanted Balaam to go and curse them and he offered him money to do it. Well, what happened? Balaam made four attempts. Even when God told we went through the story of the donkey and all that a few weeks ago. But Balaam made four attempts to curse the Hebrews and to earn what the Bible calls the wages of unrighteousness. But every time he opened his mouth to curse them, the Spirit of God came on him and made him bless them. And he's frustrated. I, I, every time I stand up to curse them, I end up blessing them. And the prophecies that Balaam pronounced over Israel were truly spectacular. But he was, he was a spiritist. God can use whoever and whatever He wants to. Each time, to Balaam's consternation and to King Balak's mounting fury, God changed the curse into a blessing. Balaam could see his chance for big bucks taking wings and flying away. And this is when he made his infamous suggestion to the pagan king. When you talk about the way of Balaam, here it is coming up. He said, My Lord, King, there's more than one way to accomplish your goal, to stop these people from reaching Canaan. Since you cannot curse them, I suggest you corrupt them. Use the temple harlots. I guarantee you, my Lord, that their God will judge them if you just... Now, look what he knew about God. He knew that God would judge immorality. He knew. But what was he doing? Walking away from truth and living in sin, he was apostate. He knew that God was a God of holiness and would judge his people. Nevertheless, he played on that wickedly and diabolically. So you get them entangled in immorality, King Balak, and they'll come under judgment and they'll never make it to Canaan. Well, his evil advice succeeded. Israel fell before the temptation They became corrupted, and they came under the judgmental hand of God. Balaam collected his wages and enjoyed the fruits of his wickedness, but only for a season. Shortly after his evil actions, he died under Joshua's avenging sword. You may think you're getting away with it, but you won't. Balaam had known of God, but he uses knowledge of God as a means of making money, no matter who it hurt. Now let me talk to you just for a second about corruption. Listen carefully. Corruption is inward rot. It's inward rot. It's when, and corruption usually begins, in little seemingly innocent, small step compromises. I'll do a little compromise here. God won't really care that much, and a little compromise there. And uh, Oh, I, c- I can do this and still get away with it. And, and, and what the compromiser is always doing is seeing how close they can get to the edge of the fire without going in. But what we don't realize is, unless your stand for truth is total, you can be corrupted. And that is, it is a, corruption it is a gradual seduction down into fleshly, even satanic ways, away from the truth of God. No man, no woman falls overnight. Show me somebody who falls, and I'll show you somebody who over a long period of time Something was happening inside. That's why little compromises really do matter. There's no such thing as a white lie. Stay as close to that truth as you can. Walk in truth. Tell the truth. Honor God. If he convicts you about something, handle it right then. Keep short accounts with God. Don't give anything in your life longer than a 24-hour shelf life that you know is not right with God. Don't give it longer than a 24-hour shelf. I mean, as quick as you can, keep short accounts with God. Because if you don't, then the the process of corruption can, can set in. These people got corrupted. He was right. Balaam understood the flesh, and he understood God. But he lost his life because he didn't honor the truth. Here's the principle. As Christians, our high allegiance should be to Christ and our priceless walk with Him. We should never compromise our convictions in order to make money. Amen? Well, that, was a, that was a tentative amen. See, when you, when you compromise your convictions to get anything, it's the road to apostasy, to walking away from truth. If you steal a dime, you'll steal a dollar. steal a dollar, you'll steal a thousand. Just watch your life. Watch your soul. Take care of your soul. Stay in the Word of God. Stay close to the truth. Y'all hearing me tonight? How did these denominations get to the place where they would say what they're saying now? I guarantee you, years of slow, gradual corruption. One more man remains for Jude's pronouncement of woe. Can y'all take one more? We're almost there. Woe to them, Jude says, for they have perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Well, what's that about? Korah was a Levite, a member of the tribe set apart by God to minister to the spiritual needs of Old Testament Israel. He was a cousin of Moses and Aaron. Jude accuses him of gainsaying. What does that mean? It means to contradict. And it implies vigorous opposition to something. So when you gainsay, speak against something, it, uh, vigorously opposing it is what he's talking about here. Jude also tells us that Korah perished, and that means final ruin and destruction, to destroy completely. It's the opposite of eternal life. It describes the eternal woeful condition of the lost in the hereafter. This word perished. Now, Korah's problems began with being dissatisfied with his place in life. He became jealous. Green-eyed monster got him. He was jealous of Moses and Aaron, who were just cousins. He just saw them as family. He did not see them through the lens of their call. Happens all the time. He didn't see them through the lens of their call. He said, well, there's my cousin Moses and Aaron, and they're just like me. Why have they got all this authority? What makes them better than me? Why can't I be in that level of importance? He resented Moses' uh, as God's prophet, and Aaron as God's anointed high priest. He could not understand why he couldn't be the priest as well. Who were they, after all, to hold the highest positions of Israel? And he got filled with envy and jealousy, and it began to eat him alive until he made a big mistake. Korah decided to lead a rebellion against Moses. He started rumors going through the camp. He he sowed dissatisfaction with Moses and Aaron and their leadership. He went so in discord through the camp. You know, we've been, if you've been here with us very long at all, you heard me talk about getting skunked, getting around people who are negative and critical, tearing everything down, always pointing a finger and saying, this wrong, that wrong, this is bad, that's bad, tearing down leadership, tearing down the church, tearing down what God has given you. And he began to do this, and he got uh, some pretty strong support Dathan and Abiram. These were all the cream of the crop leadership under Moses and Aaron. These were spiritual leaders. Well-respected men of high uh, position in the camp. He disdained what God had to say about the spiritual leadership of Israel. He didn't like it. His philosophy was one man's as good as another, He, Korah, was as good as Moses and Aaron. Come on. We're in the same family, same blood. God did an extraordinary thing to settle the issue. Moses ordered Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Right about then, I would have repented. When I heard the order come down, he wants to meet you at the tent of meeting tomorrow at this time. It reminds me of high noon. This was was showdown in the OK Corral. This was really, so Moses said, All right, you guys, you Korah, Dathan, showing all all this discord, challenging our calling, meet me here tomorrow. Well, they showed up, and I want you to look what happened. The ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions Look what it says. Word of God, number 16, quote, "They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned, and then the earth, it closed up over them, and they perished and were gone from the community." <laughs> Good thing that doesn't happen anymore. There'd be earthquakes going on in churches all over America. People will be falling down in there and disappearing. Cain's false religion, Balaam's lust for money, and Korah's rebellion against God's order are all examples of the characteristics of apostasy. All God was teaching those people in Korah's day was this. If I put somebody in a position of leadership, I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they're flawless. But I am saying they're my guy. And so you, you show respect You don't, you know, you don't stupidly follow somebody into crazy sin, but you show respect because it's a spiritual principle we just saw here. You've got to see somebody through the lens of their calling, not the lens of their flaws. Next time we're going to see that Jude adds to his four parallels and three biographies, a series of three pictures, three sizzling snapshots. Next time. So can you stand up with me? We all are quiet after that Korah story. (laughs) Looking down at the ground underneath you. (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that this letter was written to expose false teaching, false teachers, to teach us to pick fruit, to study the life of somebody. And, Lord, to help us to avoid the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, the tragedy of Korah, to learn from those principles, Lord, that we can walk wisely. So, Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom tonight. Well, I sense God sitting on us right now, just the Spirit of God just resting here. Let's just sing one song right before we go. Lead us, Heidi, would you. Thank you. Have is our God.